Welcome to the latest addition to the Compliance Podcast Network, the podcast 10 for 10, which brings you the week's top 10 compliance stories curated together in one podcast each week. Tom Fox, the voice of compliance, brings you the compliance professional stories you need to be aware of at the end of your busy week. Sit back, and in 10 minutes, hear about the stories every compliance professional should be aware of. Every Saturday, 10 for 10 highlights the most important news, insights, and analysis for the compliance professional, all curated by the voice of compliance, Tom Fox. Get your weekly filling of compliance stories with 10 for 10. Hosted by Tom Fox. 10 for 10 is a production of the Compliance Podcast Network. Stories from the week ending November 11, 2023. Yes, Veterans Day. We begin with Compliance Week, reporting from Kyle Brasseur that GE Aerospace will pay $9.4 million in a DOJ false claims case. Uh, the company admitted that its Massachusetts-based manufacturing plant occasionally did not conduct required parts inspections and sold engin- engines containing parts that did not meet certain specifications of U.S. military contracts. The activities occurred between July 2012 and December 2019. This is a, um, or 5.4 uh, million of this fine was restitution according to the settlement agreement. Next up from the Financial Times, a very interesting story about um, why you should have a robust ESG and sustainability program. A key reason, workers will accept lower pay at, a, at environmentally sustainable firms. Indeed, skilled staff is willing to work harder and longer for up to 15% less than they can earn at other jobs. The article reports this is lawyers, from lawyers to receptionists to HR to IT. Sounds, um, and this comes from a study of academics in Europe who uncovered what they have called the sustainability wage gap. So another reason for having robust ESG and sustainability, you're going to hire workers for less. Next up from the Wall Street Journal, Risk and Compliance Journal, David Smagala reporting that the U.S. government, or rather the U.K. government, has sanctioned 29 individuals and entities operating and supporting Russia's gold and oil sectors in an effort to cut off revenue streams Funding the war in Ukraine, the entities sanctioned Wednesday include Nord Gold and Highland Gold Mining, two two of the largest producers of Russian gold, and an Emirates-based network the U.K. said had channeled more than $300 million in gold revenue to Russia. So just as uh, Russia develops new revenue streams, more sanctions are put in place to shut them down. Next up from Reuters. A story that government-backed hackers tried to plant spyware on the NSO group, um, made by the NSO group on the iPhone of an Indian journalist working on an organized crime and corruption project. The analysis of the journalist's phone showed infiltration was made back in August, and he was among a series of people who received alerts from Apple warning them they had been targeted by state-sponsored hackers. 
Next up, our second story of three from the Financial Times. Adam Newman is back in the news as WeWork files for bankruptcy. Yes, the once high-flying and innovative office-sharing company has finally completely crashed to earth. Who stands to gain the most? Turns out it's Adam Newman because of the incredible package, exit package he got when he left. Uh, our third and final FT story comes, uh, rather, is about the UK watchdog, the Information Commissioner's Office, which handles data privacy and data protection in the United Kingdom, has issued a rare apology specifically to former NatWest Chief Allison Rose for suggesting she breached the law when she spoke to journalists about the closure of Nigel Farage's bank account. After that uh, comment by the ICO, she was forced out as um, CEO or chief of NatWest. So in terms of too little, too late, yeah, it's way down the road. On the other hand, at least there was an apology issued. The ICO said it regretted not giving Rose the opportunity to comment on its findings, and the regulator said it had not investigated Rose's actions, but that the probe had focused on Nat West. Rose was forced to resign um, after the comments by the ICO. Uh, Next up, a very interesting uh, compliance story that, on first blush, may not appear so, a, in a World Cup cricket match, you have to, uh, once you go into the batter's box, uh, be ready to go in two minutes. Well, uh, one team's a batter uh, had an issue with his snapping his helmet, and he couldn't get it done because the snap was broken, and he exceeded the two minutes. The other manager raised the issue, and he was um, disallowed. So... The significance for compliance is compliance always takes a second seat to safety issues. And this, to me, was a perfect example. The batter couldn't snap his helmet, obviously a safety concern. The rule said you have to be ready to go within 120 seconds. If that happens, the umpire or referee should have overruled that internal control that you have to bat in 120 seconds and allowed the batter to get a helmet that safely protected him. So always remember, even with written policies and procedures, if there is a safety issue, which is a reason, safety is number one in every company or sport. And I thought this was a great example from the world of cricket to help us recall that. Uh, Next up, and a very interesting case uh, reported by Latin Lawyer, the U.S. Supreme Court has declined to review a pedivase of bribery case. Now, this was not a case where um, individuals were charged for receiving bribes or companies were charged for bribing pedivase employees, but uh, pedivase created a litigation trust to represent itself and then tried to sue a slew of oil traders, bankers, and individuals for engaging in bribery for, in exchange for inside information fixed prices, and rid bigging, uh, bid rigging. Sorry about that. The um, clear import here is that uh, as perhaps the world's most corrupt company, certainly the world's most corrupt national energy company, Petavesa really has no basis to bring claims against those by claiming victimhood status. 
Interestingly, in the United States, other companies are able to claim they're the victim. And you might think of Petrobras as a clear example of this, yet uh, courts declined this uh, putative litigation trust and uh, required or dismissed Petrobras's claim to receive, uh, seek back money. Uh, sometimes the law actually gets it right, and I think this was one of them. Because can you imagine the corruption if Petavasa started getting back the billions um, that people bribe its employees with? And finally, from The Guardian, Portugal's socialist prime minister, Antonio Costa, has resigned after prosecutors examining alleged corruption involving lithium and green hydrogen deals announced that he personally was under investigation and police searched dozens of addresses, including his official residence, and the environment and infrastructure industry. So a stunning uh, resignation and revelation from the Portugal uh, corruption investigation. We typically don't get corruption stories out of Portugal, but we've had now two. Obviously, the first one was the massive company Altice, and now the Portuguese prime minister. Thanks for listening to this episode of 10 for 10. As I mentioned in a prior episode, this is the one request I've received most often from podcast listeners of the Daily Compliance News to put together a summary at week's end so that every compliance professional can catch up on the news quite quickly. So I hope you will subscribe, rate, and review to this new podcast edition to the Compliance Podcast Network family, 10 for 10. If you've got an idea for a podcast, I'd love to hear from you. I start many shows based upon ideas from listeners. So give me a shout. You can reach me at tfox at tfoxlaw.com. 10 for 10 is a proud member of the Compliance Podcast Network.